Yes, good morning. This is Motormania. I'm Damien Reed. This is the only interactive car show on UAE Radio where we give you all the motoring advice. We talk about what's happening in the car world. We also let you have a voice on road safety issues and anything else you might want to uh, pitch in and let us know about. We're going to be keeping you company this morning right through until noon. And we've got a few things coming up in the show. Of course, we're going to be talking straight up. We're going to be, later on in the program, we're going to be talking all things electric vehicles with Kevin Shaloub of the EV Lab. Now, it's not just Tesla that's available out there, you know. A lot of people just assume EV, Tesla, there are other brands. And we're going to be talking about the other brands as well and uh, and all sorts of budgets and uh, lifestyle options as well with the cars. Uh, Imtasham Diada this week is currently trekking across Oman in a 30-year-old Toyota Land Cruiser. Uh, definitely going to catch up with him and see how that one's going down there in uh, Salala and it looks like northern Scotland or Wales. It's fantastic. So we'll be catching up with him, no doubt, when he returns. Plus, later on, I'm going to be joined in the studio by a familiar voice if you're into your Formula One in the region as Phil Anson joins us to review the first half of an exciting season that culminates, of course, right here in Abu Dhabi at the Yas Marina Circuit in November. And, of course, Phil Anson is uh, one half of the commentary duo that brings you Formula One on television, uh, myself being the other half. So, uh, yes, we're going to catch up on that one in uh, all things Formula One in just a few moments. But right now it's time for... Fix it or flip it. Yeah, that's right. Tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it is worth. This is how it works. We need as much detail as we can from you. We obviously need the car. We need the make. We need the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Any stories you have with the car, if it's a private import, if you brought it over yourself, uh, famous past owners, all those things help to uh, to uh, help with the value of the car. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app and uh, we'll do our best to help you get the best possible price for your car or maybe find the elusive car that you're looking for. But of course, it's not just me doing it. I can't do all that on my own. I'm joined, of course, by valuation guru Matthew Davison, who is the head of pricing at Algo Driven. Matthew, welcome back to Dubai. Hey, Damien, good to be back. Great to have you back. How was your time away? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a while since I've, uh, I've left the, uh, the home, my home of Dubai and, and, and traveled anywhere. So I was back in the UK and uh, bizarrely, I was there for uh, uh, nearly two weeks and it was all sunshine, which is, <laughs> you know, I, I did expect to get a bit of cloud and rain and I didn't get any. Um, not that I was complaining. It was nice. To, you know, the, the UK looks great when it's bathed in sunshine, but I kind of expected to get some respite from this summer, and uh, I didn't get it, unfortunately. Yeah, well, uh, they're certainly getting it now, aren't they? They're, 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 uh, th- if they wanted sunshine, my goodness, it is warm over there right now. Uh, even in Europe, you know, we're talking about the, uh, uh, the Formula One right now before it goes on its breaks, 40-plus degrees over there at the, where they're racing at the moment in, uh, in the south of France. So, yeah, stifling temperatures. Yeah, looking forward to the Formula One this weekend, and and I bet the guys are looking forward to a break. It's been a bit of a frantic first part of the season, uh, and I think it's still uh, still open all to play for for the second half. You must be getting uh, that kind of uh, nervous excitement ready for the the final final part of the season. I get the feeling things are ramping up. Something's going to happen. Um, the the com- the competition is is all reaching the top of the the uh, the peninsula together. So it's going to be interesting. We've got one more round next weekend in Hungary, uh, and then then there's the mid season summer break before they come back for uh, for Belgium at the end of August. So yeah, it's all getting that way. And I think we're still anyone who's got tickets for the uh, for the Etihad Airways Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in, in, at Yas Marina in Abu Dhabi. I think you're going to be in for another showdown. I've just that's just my feeling. Yeah, after what happened last season, I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> uh, 
if you can even get a ticket nearer the time. And I think Mercedes are improving every single week. Um, Ferrari just need to sort out their reliability issues. And then we've got a fight. Um, but yeah, and, and also this week I've been uh, looking at alternative EVs. It's funny you should mention that for later on in the show. I was looking at the Audi A6, the, the e-tron that's coming out, which just mm. looks like something from another planet. And actually, interestingly enough, uh, Chrysler, um, they've got together um, and uh, they've uh, joined forces and, and created uh, what looks to be like a, a concept brand at the moment, but they're calling it the Stellantis um, and that looks uh, really something else. I mm. mean, um, I think the legacy manufacturers are doing what we, we expected them to do, um, which is take their experience in the in the build quality and the luxury element and apply the the, the electricity uh, to that. Uh, whereas Tesla have got the advantage in the sense of software in their experience in EV, but they don't have that legacy history of building um those luxury cars so i think that 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 looks very interesting to to where the next 12 months is going to go i don't know if you had a chance to look at the new chrysler or uh the the a6 e-tron yet but they both look absolutely fantastic yeah i'm getting into a volvo ev in, in next week i believe but i haven't had a look at haven't been in touch with the idea yet about any of that uh but i want to get your opinion too on our, on our uh, topic this morning we're talking about now um, bmw has announced that it's going to offer subscription-based model to its cars soon so instead of ordering options such such as uh, cooled seats or uh, you know chillers in the centre console or that sort of thing, you, you'll pay for it by the month, which means that we, which sounds okay when you buy a new car, but when you buy a near new car, it might have the button, but it won't necessarily you won't necessarily know if it's going to work or not. Or indeed, if you're going to somehow get a fifty dirham a monthly bill for something you didn't know, that was a subscription based option on the on the uh, on the car. Um, what's your thoughts on this? And in, in terms of adding features to a car but paying them by the month yeah i mean a long time ago you and i talked about that i felt the market was moving um towards subscription based um cars in general meaning that you don't uh buy a car you don't rent a car you don't lease a car you you, you take a subscription so basically you just pay a set monthly fee for a category of car and then um, you can swap out your cars, you can upgrade them, downgrade them, et cetera. And I think this is the next evolution of that. And when you think about in the world we live in, there's lots of examples of subscription-based um, products now. If you look at your the way that you have media, whether it's Amazon Prime or Netflix, et cetera. And the reason that this is so uh, important is because shareholders and companies they want recurring revenue mm. they want and know that they've got a set amount of revenue coming in and that's and, and i think the car industry have, have cottoned on to this absolutely and and, and, and it, it's already there with tesla so when you buy a tesla um there's a there's a, a part of the app that you can go into and you can buy something called acceleration boost and it's eight thousand dirhams a um, couple of thousand us dollars and it will actually improve your acceleration so it's it's happening already, and and I think this is going to to be across the board. I think mm. you're going to see like car manufacturers say, "Oh, you want remote keyless start? Yeah, you pay a little bit more a month, yeah. or you want this feature, or you want the car to go a little bit faster, um, or you want to unlock an advanced navigation or something." Yeah, this is coming. Um, whether people are like going to like it or not. Um, I'm, I'm pretty convinced this is coming big time. Yeah, def- I, I agree with you 100%. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure that the, the, it answers the question about 
where do dealers make their money because they're not getting the, the, the big servicing charges on an EVs that you'd get on combustion engines. So this is one way that, okay, you're, you're saving money by not having to pay for, uh, for, for you know, regular servicing on your EV to, to the same extent that you do with a combustion engine. But this is the other way because that's how dealerships make their money. They, they make minimal uh, revenue on the sale of the car. It's the ongoing maintenance of drop it in for a, for a timing chain, drop it in for brake pads and you know spark plugs, and it's thirty thousand and hundred thousand kilometer oil changes and that sort of thing. Well, you don't do that with EVs. There are other things, of course, but uh, but not as often. And so I think this is the way that the dealers will will claw back some of that uh, that that revenue they're going to lose by not having combustion engines. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and we, we we saw it happen in the airline industry with with the budget airlines. What they do is they give you this really low fare online. You know, fly to from Brussels to to London for fifty nine euros. But what they then do is say, oh, you want to pick your seat? That's another 10 euros. Oh, you've got baggage to check in? That's another 20 euros. So, you know, the car industry can do the same in a way. You get this this lower sticker price, but then when you get the car, you've got to pay all these extras to unlock the features. So, yeah, it's sneaky, um, but, you know, this is the world we live in right now. It's very competitive, and people have got to reinvent the way that they sell things and, uh, and, you know, these bolt-ons are happening, as I said, in, in not just in the car industry, across the board, whatever whatever industry you're in. You, you know, it's been in software forever, you know, apps mm. on phones, you download the app for free, but then you want to go to the next level of a game or something, and boom, you've got to pay 20 dirhams or 50 dirhams. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunately, it's it's not something that might happen. I think it's, it's pretty much a, a sure thing now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, what you think about subscription-based uh, model for buying cars as a buyer, or even if, you, if there are uh, dealers or importers, distributors out there, I'd love to hear the industry side as well, uh, whether you think that's the, w- the way we're going or whether it's uh, an option that will happen. Um, text us on 4001 or via the ARN Play App. We would love to know your thoughts on this topic. We're going to be talking about it over the next couple of hours this morning. Uh, but let's get on to some cars, Matthew. And we've got straight up there, we've got uh, Faraz has texted in. Uh, Faraz says, I have a 2015 Toyota Fortuna EX 2.7 litre. It's done 135,000 kilometres. He's looking to replace it with a fuel efficient seven seater. Um, so we'd like to have a quote. And uh, what sort of option uh, is out there for a seven seater? Yeah, so so that's more of the entry level Fortuna, um, the EX, the two point seven. They do do a bigger liter, uh, the the four liter uh, six cylinder. Um, that would be around sixty thousand in the market right now, um, and you'd you'd probably get if it was the four liter for people that have that car about another ten thousand more for the bigger engine one. Mm. Um, in terms of replacing it, uh, you, what you want is is if you know from full, uh, fuel efficiency, you want a four cylinder. I mean. And, and, and to move seven people around in a four-cylinder, four, four you need something relatively small, which is what the, the Fortuna is in terms of SUVs anyway. Um, and, and I think he's, you know, he's gone from a four-cylinder anyway. It's a relatively mm. car. So, you know, it, he's, he's answering his question with one of the cars that ticks the boxes, <laughs> really. Um, but, you know, you could move across, you know, Honda's got some of the options as well. I was um, just about to mention Honda. It popped in yeah. my mind as, a, as an option, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, but, you know, the key thing here is to stay Japanese um, because you're not only not not just for the fact that, you know, we're talking about fuel efficiency here, but we're talking about cost of servicing and reliability. But, you know, I'd look at some of the options that, that Nissan, Toyota and Honda have got at the moment. And of course, we say it near enough every week now, the Korean guys, Kia and, and uh, Hyundai, they're coming in and they've got some great options. You know, you could look at the, for example, the Santa Fe, mm. which is a seven, seven seat option as well. And they do a four cylinder um two liter a uh, four-cylinder turbocharged so I, i'd probably look around that uh, look around that area i mean with 60k um you're always going to be buying pre-owned yeah um you're not going to get a new one at, at that but yeah either across the japanese brand or, or certainly look at things like the uh the santa fe uh with the korean brand hyundai yeah, for sure. I mean, if you want to be a little bit brave, you know, you've got uh, Peugeot have uh, the seven-seaters at a good price. But then if you really don't know your vehicles and you're looking for something dependable that you just want to jump in and out of, I mean, the Fortuna is is kind of where that, that model sits. So, um, I mean, that's a that's an option as well. But um, I think, I mean, one of the things with, with the in Faraz's case here, and we mentioned Honda before, is that it's the same dealer network. So, if you've got the Toyota, you go down to Trading Enterprises and you, you might get a good deal on uh, walking yes. next door into the Honda showroom because it's a, it's all the same uh, the same dealer network. So, yeah, there's uh, there's some options there as well. Yeah, I think you make a great point about staying within a dealer ecosystem. Um, it makes life very easy for the dealer. And when you make life easy for the dealer, that, that equates to a better deal for you. So I think you make an excellent point there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, stick around. We've got uh, a lot more coming up. This is Motor Mania. Fix it or flip it. Tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth. What we need from you is the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, anything else that you think might add value to your car. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app or even better, pick up the phone. Give us a call, 04871 5500 and uh, we will do our best to uh, to sort you out with uh, Matthew Davison and myself. And... Uh, yeah, Matthew, I've got a question for you straight away, and that came in, and some, uh, Kyron has asked, now you're the man to ask this, is the AC in a Tesla sufficient for summer in Dubai? Oh, that's a great question, because that probably was at the top of my list of concerns, and uh, the answer is I've tested it pretty pretty well, and, and the answer is it's completely fine. Um, one of my favorite features is the fact that you can turn on the AC from the app, uh, from anywhere, actually. Mm. Um, so what I... T- do is if um if it's parked in 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 the uh, basement of my car park i'll put it on like literally as i'm leaving my apartment and by the time i get to the basement the car's cool same when i'm at my office in jlt but if i'm at actually the cars out in the sunshine i'll pretty much leave it running as long as i'm not in in a shop or something for a really long time but i'll leave it running say at 24 25 the whole time i'm in there it does eat the battery a bit but I have no issues charging that car everywhere I go. So, um, yeah, you definitely won't have a problem. I can't make comment on other EVs but uh, and what their features and, and, and benefits are because I, I haven't had the experience yet. Um, maybe after you, you have a go in the Volvo, you can give some feedback on that as well. But mm. look, 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 for me, that, that isn't an issue. Um, well, and I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't certainly uh, be, be a concern for, for anybody that's looking to get an EV. Yeah, I recently drove the, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an MG that's not on sale yet. Uh, it's the Marvel R and it's here for evaluation. And I drove it a few days ago. And I'll tell you what, the air conditioning was outstanding in that car. And what it did, it had, it had like a breeze function on it where it sort of randomly 
blew air, you know, not directly into your face, but around you and then a wagon. And it sort of felt like you're walking through a, through a field with a breeze kicking in. And uh, and it, it was absolutely, in this weather at the moment, absolutely outstanding. So, yeah, but we're going to talk about more of that with uh, Kevin Shalhoub from the EV Lab. So um, uh, stick around, Kyron. We've got more to come on that. Now, someone has asked on Instagram, Ed on Earth has, uh, has asked on Instagram, can I review the Ram TRX 1500? Said it seems to be able to pace a Lamborghini 700 plus horsepower pickup, but is it not too good on the fuel economy? Uh, thank you, Ed, for that one. And I'll definitely get in touch with the guys from Trading Enterprises to see if we can get the big RAM for you, and uh, we can we can give you some feedback on that. Um, likewise, if you've got any ideas of cars you'd like us to get our hands hands on, let us know, and uh, we'll take them out for a run and give you some feedback. Uh, now we're going straight to the lines now, and uh, on the line we've got Eamon. Uh, Good morning, Eamon. Uh, you've got uh, you've got a couple of questions for us. Yeah. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thanks. You've uh, now you're looking to buy a car in about six months' time. Is that correct? Yeah, my wife's on maternity leave, so we've been sharing a single car for for now, and uh, uh, so pretty soon I'll need to get one for myself. And I'm thinking to go the EV route, um, but I'm not sure if the infrastructure is set up for it and. I don't need anything fancy, and we're pretty Dubai-based. I don't do a lot of driving just to work and back kind of thing. So small family, two kids, you know, nothing huge. So yeah, thinking, is, is it the right time, or should I wait a little bit till things settle down and just get like a smaller sedan kind of thing? Yeah, can, can I ask without, without sort of de- delving too deeply, is your, your where you live, is it a, a villa or a high-rise apartment? So that, that's the other thing I was concerned about. We're in a compound, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm in a villa. But uh, obviously, I don't own it, so I don't know what the implications are setting up a box and things like that for for charging. Yeah, Matthew. Well, you're you're the guy with the uh, with the electric vehicle in uh, amongst the uh, the Motormania crew. What, what's your advice? Yeah, morning. And and one of the things I wanted to break straight away was the 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 myth of of, of range anxiety. And interesting fact that I found out in my journey with EV that the UAE has more chargers per electric cars on the road than any other country on the planet. So that's the first thing that should put your mind at rest. If you want to see how many charges that, that, that are out there, download a free app called PlugShare, and PlugShare actually shows you where all the charges are um, and breaks them down in, in, in reviews, how fast they are and everything, which is pretty cool. Um, you can charge your EV on a normal um, two, 240-volt plug. It's slow. But if you think about it, if you get home at, say, 7, 8 p.m. in the evening and you plug it in, in, in at home, by the next morning, you'll have at least 30, 40 percent more charge. Uh, and I doubt unless you're going on a long journey, you'll need more than that. And if you are going on a long, long journey, there's superchargers uh, around the region that will, will completely give you 100 percent charging less than 45 minutes. Um so I, I don't I don't see any concern. I live in an apartment. Um, I charge my car all over Dubai. Uh, for example, um, where just past time or just before Times Square, where the old uh, Honda showroom used to be, next to or well, sandwiched in between Audi, which is now McLaren and and Mercedes, there's a new Adnock fuel station, and they put in a 40, 45 watt. Uh, charger, which is pretty rapid. It will charge a car in an hour. And sometimes I pass by there, grab a coffee, sit inside for half an hour. So look, I don't think you're going to have a huge problem. And if you do live on a compound and you've got access to any electricity plug, um, you're going to get a good 40% overnight anyway. So you'll be fine. Okay. 
Yeah, we uh, live in Merdiv too, and there's quite a few in Merdiv city centre parking, so I think I think I'll be all right. Yeah, well, one thing actually I, I didn't realise when I had this this MG Marvel last week is that uh, there are some cars that do actually can actually charge off the Tesla charge uh, units. So when you see the Tesla blocks, you think, oh well, that's you know, that's only for Teslas. We can't use it if it's the older type. Um, it will actually charge some other cars. So the guys at MG said, look, if you find a, a, a Tesla wall, you can plug this car in. And we have a couple of Tesla walls where, where I work. And uh, and I gave it a try and worked a charm. So, yeah, th- that does open up in your mind a couple of other options as well. Yeah, I, I need to make a point on that as well. You can mm. buy an adapter online relatively cheaply um, that you just plug on the end of your charger that will allow you to use the, charge, the Tesla network. The reason it's... it's, it's, it's um, you know, uh, different maybe in the States and places like that, because Tesla, when they have their charges, you have to use their app and that's how you pay for the electricity. Whereas here, um, the the Tesla charges are either free, you can just plug them in and you don't need any card, or you get a Diwa card and then you charge through Diwa. So they don't really care about what, what the charger is. So if, you, if you've got a non-Tesla, I, I would look into getting an adapter for it. And, and I think apart from the superchargers, you're pretty much going to be able to charge at, at any charging station. So can I just quickly ask then, other than Tesla, so what are the other, because you don't hear as much about the other EV. So I've heard MG now, uh, uh, Volkswagen, Volvo. But, there are a couple others coming up. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, if you can stick around to the second hour. Uh, we've got Kevin oh. Shalubin from the EV Lab, and that's precisely what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what else is out there other than Tesla, because a lot of people just think default EV is a Tesla, that there are other cars out there. As, as uh, Matthew was saying, you know, there's the, the Audi A6 as well, a e-tron, um, and we're going to go through all of that in terms of what your lifestyle is, sports cars, off-road, leisure, SUVs, what's available for SUVs. So if you can hang around for, uh, for, for the second half of the program, you'll get, a, you'll get your answer for sure. I appreciate it. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Eamon. Um, now, Matthew, we've also got a uh, text here. Good morning. Uh, Jaguar. I have a Jaguar XKR, a 2009 model. It's white with caramel leather and a wood uh, has a wooden dash. 150,000 kilometres. Uh, the full service. It's been well looked after the last owner for 11 years, and I am the second owner. What do you think about that one? The X- XKR, 2009. Yeah, that's, uh, as I I recall, got the five litre V8 um, and and they slapped a supercharger on it just for fun. Mm. Um, But, you know, the the issue with those cars, I actually owned that car around 2012, 2013. And after it, I got rid of it because after two years of owning it, it it started already and it wasn't really old then. It was probably about six years old. It was just costing me uh, far too much money. And that was me knowing people in the trade and getting everything at the the best possible prices. So um, look, that that car with that age um, in a world where fuel is expensive, et cetera, um, that that is going to uh, uh, be difficult to move on. Um, and it will, I, I just know that car will be looking a bit tired right now. Mm. Um, it's value in the market, I would say would be about 40, 45,000. Yeah. Um, but still a beautiful looking car. Um, and, and somebody s- still will want, uh, you know, for what you're spending to get something that looks essentially, um, so fantastic. That's why it will still hold its value to that, that degree. But, um, you know, buyer beware that that car will be expensive. When I say expensive, yes. it could cost you. 
twenty, twenty-five thousand a year um, each year to keep that on the road. Yeah, you have to be realistic with these cars at the moment. Um, they do tend to drop off a little bit of a cliff in value anyway. But it, at the moment, with petrol prices, yeah, you've got to be realistic. So, I'd agree about around about forty thereabouts would 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 do you. Fix it or flip it. So as we said, what we need from you is the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, any other information you got, you've got, send it to us via 4001 or via the ARN Play app and we will tell you what you should expect to get if you're looking to sell, what's available if you're looking to, to, to buy or just some advice as we are giving earlier on about uh, EVs versus petrol and all sorts of things. But of course, I'm doing it now with uh, valuation guru Matthew Davison, who is, of course, the head of pricing at Algo Driven. Um, now, I've got a text message in here from Brett and it's uh, it's an interesting one because we've covered this off before, but a really interesting co- uh, question. Uh, I have a question about EV, specifically the VW ID offering. Uh, I've spoken to VW here and there are no plans to bring these cars to Dubai through the official dealership. A number of cars have been brought in from China. Obviously, these will not be supported by a Volkswagen. So I'm interested in understanding the risks with these vehicles, e.g. no warranty, no software support, etc. And is it too big a risk? Uh, So that's come from Brett. And uh, I'm glad you asked that, Brett, because we had... Victor Dalmau, the uh, Regional Managing Director for Volkswagen Middle East, on Motormania a few weeks ago to talk ex- about exactly this issue. And uh, the issue is with this car is that um, whilst the dealers are saying there are no plans to bring it in, I understand it is definitely coming, but not for a while yet. They're still going through uh, hot weather testing right now. The ID range from Volkswagen is their range of electric vehicles. So they've got the ID3, the 4, the 5, the 6. And there's a, there's a lot coming through. Um, so at the moment, what Volkswagen is going through right now is there's several at the moment doing undergoing a hot weather testing in the desert. And, uh, and they're working out things such as the air conditioning, such as the battery, how the battery, the resilience in the, in the temperature, um, but also how, how it connects to the network, how it connects to the, uh, to, to the Do and Edisolat network here, because all electric vehicles will be connected to that network as part of a UAE mandate soon. The problem with these cars that are coming in through uh, places like Alawir that these were cars were destined for the Chinese market and uh, the ship just happened to stop off on the way. And they've found a, a lucrative market to, to offload the cars here. But as you say, Brett, you're absolutely 100% correct. There is no warranty. There is no software support. Um, the Volkswagen dealerships here won't be able to support you. Some private dealerships will be able to. But it is a risk, and it's a risk that I personally wouldn't take uh, on that one. So what, what's your thoughts, Matthew, about privately imported EVs? Is that something, you would, you, a path you'd go down? I talk about this all the time. I had a meeting with a, with a bank yesterday that, that, that I'm an advisor for. I can't mention the bank, but they actually they asked my advice on whether they should finance such a car. Mm. Um, and, I, and I told them the same answer that I'm going to tell you now. It's all about uh, your risk for your appetite for risk. Mm. Um, so look, this is this is the way I describe it very, very simply. There's a house on a headland on a cliff. Um, it's a fantastic looking house, um, but it's on a headland. It's on a cliff. And, 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 and you know, it, it's, it's a good price. But do you want to take the risk that one day that house is going to fall over the edge of the cliff uh, as the sea erodes the headland? And and that, that's what this play is. If you've, you know, you have to understand 
that if you buy this car because you see it in the market and it seems like a good price, there's a lot of risk attached with that. There's risk in the sense of it's not going to get supported and there's, there's, there's no warranties, etc. But there's also um, risk in the fact that it is untested. Um, it's, a, it's a car that wasn't meant for this region, so you don't know what can happen down the line. Uh, I'm not going to make any assumptions, but I'll let people un understand that, the, that, that this whole bottom of this car is, is battery, so I'll let you uh, figure out what can go wrong there. Um, and, and also, uh, one day, you're going to be the seller of that vehicle. So, you know, if, if some things have unfolded um, over, the, over a couple of years and, and that becomes really a blacklisted car, you're going to have real problem offloading it. So, mm. um, and, and I'll balance the argument by saying, but also on the other side, you, you might get away with, okay, thinking, well, it's a new car, so I don't need to care too much about um, warranty because I think it will be okay. It's an EV, so it, it doesn't really need much maintenance. Um, and uh, maybe I can live with, with having the writing in Chinese and other things. Uh, and I'm prepared to take all that risk because I'm getting it much cheaper. But, you know, the, the conclusion is if you make this type of decision in life, you're a risk taker. You're, you're taking risks. Uh, and and when, I'm, when I'm buying most likely the second most expensive thing I'll buy in my life after a home, I, I don't really want to take risks. But that's that's me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and there are other factors. It kind of ties into our talker about BMW offering subscription-based services is that a lot of EVs now, in fact, all of them, have over the what they call over-the-air updates. That is, the car gets upgraded over the over the air whilst it's in your driver, whilst you're sleeping, and you wake up and you find that you have a new dash display or you have uh, uh, unleashed an extra 30, 40 horsepower. Porsche has just done this, I think, this week with the Taycan. Um, the, it's, a, it's a whole new uh, uh, infotainment system, effectively, or, or a different, uh, you know, um, uh, touch points in the car, but also has, has increased the range increase the horsepower um, and that, so there's these things that you'll be denied because that because what I understand from talking to Volkswagen Middle East is that these cars won't be able to connect onto the Edisalat do network to get these over the air updates now you I'm sure you will be able to get them done but it means you'll have to take them to an unauthorized dealer to get them physically wired in and, and upgraded which takes a lot of the convenience away but uh, but it also means that also, some safety items won't won't be uh, installed as well. So, I'm with you. If you want to go down that path, absolutely, you know. But but it's your risk. And personally, yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be prepared to take that risk. I can take risks on on what sort of couch you might buy. But when it comes to a vehicle that carries you and your family around, um, that costs a lot of money, that uh, I'd, I'd prefer to definitely have a car that bought from the people who built it. It's, it's so many examples in life. You know, look at phones. I, I, I remember, and, and there are other phones available, but I remember getting the iPhone 4, um, and then the 5 had come out, and the 5S, and I still had the 4. But then they bought out the, the new iOS software, and I felt like I had the new phone in my hand. You know, it was, it was um, and that's the experience you're getting with cars now with these over-the-air updates. And I and I think, you know, you know, doing this is, is akin to sort of buying that... Uh, I wouldn't say fake phone because the car's not fake, but it's kind of like getting that, uh, you know, down the back street type of deal, um, and, you know, and yeah. somebody saying, to you, you know, well, uh, you might have to jailbreak this to, to get it to update, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I'm, I'm risk adverse in life when it comes to big ticket purchases, you know, yeah. we're not buying a cup of coffee here. Uh, and, um, 
and you know and i'm a big safety guy i want to put my family in something that's safe and 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 i'm not again i'm not saying these cars are not safe but i want to know that if there's recalls and and, and issues with the cars that, that, that Volkswagen are really there to support me. What if there's a recall on this car? Where does it go? Answer that question. Exactly. Very, very- Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, hundred percent. And and you know, I've been down at Alloway. I've seen the cars coming in, and there's a lot down there. And it's uh, yeah, I, I I do scratch my head as to a how they're here and b people are driving them. Um, but Brent, and, and I, can I just can I can I just make one final point? Sure. Um, this this isn't us bashing the guys at Alloway. They're just yeah, business course. guys. Mm. This is they're, they're business guys that see an opportunity. So certainly, um, you know, Alloway is a great place to go and, and look for cars, etc. Um, this isn't about that. It's just that there's a loophole. It's been exploited. We're talking about that loophole. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, uh, there there are some amazing uh, opportunities down at Alloy if you're looking to to, to purchase uh, near new vehicles. But um, but yeah, this is uh, an issue to do with uh, the loophole of cars that were destined for China and not the Middle East. Uh, so Brett, I hope that gives you some some answers. Um, now Luda has uh, texted in. Luda says, my wife and I were debating whether to pay in full or in instalments for a second-hand car. Uh, would like our thoughts to discuss the pros and cons. Uh, instalments for a second-hand car. What, what, what do you think about this one? Um, well, I'll, I'll give you my, my honest view. of you know, Interest rates are rising in, in the sense of the, um, the, the general banks, the uh, ECB in, in Europe, uh, have been raising rates recently. And, of course, the Federal Reserve in America have had quite an aggressive rate uh, rising uh, policy. But uh, it hasn't filtered into the auto industry here yet. And, you know, you can get used car rates at anything between 25 and, and, and 2.99% at the moment. Now, to me, um, you, you know, that, that uh, allows you to keep your capital if, if you need it for other things. And, and it's quite effective. I would say that it's not a bad option at the moment to 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 spread it out um, unless unless you've got lumps of cash lying around, um, and of course that rate is then fixed in for the term. You know, if it's a five-year, sixty-month uh, deal, and you get it at two point seven five, that can't change. It's not like a variable rate on, on car finance, so it does allow you to, to you know to keep your capital uh, if your capital is needed for elsewhere. If you have the money to to. Uh, to, to buy it outright, of course, but you know the fact that they're looking at that option means that they 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 they, they might need to to keep their capital for, for other things. So yeah, at the moment, it's not a bad option. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Sean has texted in for you, Matthew. Uh, he says, "I know you have a Tesla." Um, he's, he asks you, "Did you feel weird driving it at first? He said, "I'm definitely getting that vibe." Now, I'm I'm assuming he's perhaps talking about the big center console in the way that it's a different way to operate the car initially. What's did you feel? Did it take a little time to to adapt and and get used to driving it, or was it just something that eventually came to you very quickly? Well, you know, it's it's difficult for me because first of all, I'm a car guy, um, obsessed with cars. Second thing is, I did tons of research, watched so many online videos where people just basically just record themselves driving the cars, talk about the features. But you know what what did shock me when I got into the car initially is how quickly I adapted. To that type of, of driving um, with with the center screen, uh, no no uh, dashboard or head up display. Um, I, I adapted quite quickly to the one pedal driving, you know, regen braking. So for me, I was actually shocked at how quickly I got used to it. Mm. Um, 
but that that could be just me. I mean, as I said, I'm I'm literally obsessive over these type of things. I wanted to I wanted to feel like I'd learned everything about the car even before I took delivery. Because by the way, you do have plenty of time. You know, you, you're talking about six, twelve months in some cases to wait for your car. So yeah, I spent a lot of evenings just submerging myself into into videos on YouTube. Yeah. But but yeah. Um, you do get used to it quite quickly, um, and then uh, the the obvious thing is, you know, getting back into a normal car becomes quite difficult because, especially, yeah, the regen braking. I'm obsessed with that. I love it. I found I, I that. Hard, I hardly touch my brake, and my friends that get in the car, I said, you know, I haven't braked this entire journey, and that they're, 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 yeah. what? I said I haven't touched a brake. So I said, you know, when it comes to servicing on on these type of cars, you know, on a normal car. Brake discs last quite a long time, but brake pads, you know, you're changing them every 30 to 40,000 kilometers. Not with this car, you're not. Yeah, I, I, the first time I re- realized regen braking was the one pedal driving was with the Nissan Leaf driving it around Japan. And honestly, yeah, after after a couple of blocks, it, it, it came to me. And then afterwards, I just loved it. I just used the one pedal. It was fantastic. Look, I'll tell you what, we'll be back straight after this. Fix it or flip it. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much you might expect to get for it. What we need, the make, the model, the colour, the year, the mileage, all the information you've got. Send it to 4001 or via the ARM player. And Matthew Davis and the head of pricing at Algo Driven and myself will do our best to answer your questions. Now, I've got an interesting one on the line for you, Matthew. And uh, Guy has phoned in uh, and says uh, he needs to replace his Space Saver spare tyre. It's a uh, 13580 18-inch but can't find any stock in Dubai. Good, good morning, Guy. I'll let you uh, finish off the story. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, no, basically, I've been looking for a spare tyre, a 135-80-18. Um, um, it's a space saver tyre, and I can't find any stockists in Dubai or the UAE. What I've been told or advised is that the only place I can purchase the whole wheel and the tyre together is from Altaya directly. There's no other place that allows it to do it. And I just really wondered if anybody else has had a similar experience or how they've got around it. Yeah, I mean, you will be able to find that size tyre, one one three five eighty eighteen inch, uh, but they'll be hard to find. So it's not it's not an exclusive tyre that that our tyre supplies. It's just a matter of shopping around. It's going to be, uh, yeah. I mean, getting replacement space savers is is not uh, something that happens every day. So it might take a little bit of time. Um, what's what's your thoughts, Matthew, on on this one? Morning, guy, and uh, thanks for calling in with such a great question. Uh, and I will answer it by looking at what the problem would be if you didn't have the the spare tire in the car at all. Uh, I'm guessing you've got like a uh, a Ford. Um, you said Altaya. Uh, what's the car that you have? It's a Jaguar. <clears throat> uh, it's a Jaguar, right? Okay. So um, look. When you have a puncher, you've got a couple of options, really. You can, of course, put the spare tire on. But we live in a country with very hot weather. Um, I wouldn't be on the, the side of any road really changing a tire unless it was really safe to do so. I mean, I'm happy to change a tire in a in a back street or somewhere where it's safe for a parking space. But um, you can spend 
150 dirhams and get a recovery truck to pick up that car and take you to a tire shop to put a replacement tire on uh, for the one that's punctured or, or, or uh, you have issues with. Um, mostly every insurance company gives you recovery as part of their insurance. So that's one option. The other thing is if it's not a, a complete blowout and the tire's destroyed, you can just carry a can of tire weld in, in your car, which is you just attach it to the to the valve and it puts a, a hard foam in the tire and allows you to drive safely to the nearest tire shop. Um, that's that's you know the way I would be thinking about this rather than you know the, the headache of trying to import uh, a, a tire, etc. But you know if that if that is what you want to do. Um, and you've checked all the main tire guys here. Um, you know, you've been onto Google and you've checked, you know, um, you know, tires.ae and places like that and asked them to help you and, and they can't. Then then your other option is of course to import import it, which is which is a pain. But you know, I, I wouldn't go to all of that trouble for, for I, I would look at why you need a tire in the first place, and that's because one of your tires is gonna have a puncture or something. That's that's a rare, rare situation anyway. Um, if you stay on top of your tires and 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 you can fix it with the with the solutions that I gave you at, at the top, you know. Okay, great. No, that's fine. No worries at all. Brilliant. Thank, thanks very much, guy, and uh, good luck with it. You're welcome. Okay, thanks, thanks very much. Cheers. Thank Brilliant. you, guys. Thank you. That's what we're here for. Car advice as well as uh, sorting out. Uh, how much your car is worth to buy or sell. Now, on the line, we're going straight now to Nazem. Nazem, good morning. You've got uh, an Infiniti QX70 2014. Tell us tell us more about it. Um, actually, this car is a bit dramatic. So I bought it at 120,000 kilometers, but actually the place I bought it from changed the mileage. So the actual mileage is 250,000. And I'm... So I'm trying to see what the car is in purple. It's working fine. Mm. You know, it's a bit uh, annoying. So I'm just trying to see what it might be worth. So, so when you so said, overpaid, yeah. yeah. So when you said they've cha- they've wound the clock back illegally, is that what you're saying? Is, is, so it's 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 actually 250, yeah, and yeah. you bought it with 150. Um, yeah. What what does the odometer actually read on your dash now? Is it is it the correct mileage? It's showing 150 now, but <clears throat> I'm definitely I'm going to change it for sure to 250. Yeah, I think you probably need to do that before you start looking okay. to advertise. It just it just takes the conversation, uh, the awkwardness out of the conversation when you try to sell the car. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, Matthew, what's your thoughts? Uh, great call, and I'm sorry to hear that that happened to you. Um, the the RTA here uh, do something to protect us against this. It's called rollback. So if there's a car for sale with say. 250,000 kilometers and then somebody winds it back to 150 and then you go and have that car tested the following year because they would have done that after they tested it uh, to sell it to you. Um, it will flag on the RTA system as rollback and you won't be able to renew that car. Um, I don't know if that's what made you realize that had happened. Um, now, if you bought it from a dealer and that, and that dealer or, or person that sold it to you is still actually operating, you can actually take the paper that you got from the RTA, the rollback paper, and you can take that to the DED, the Dubai Economic Department, and, and they will take action. Um, and they will yeah, recover the actually. Yeah, they will yeah, recover the entire purchase price. Yeah, I lost the case actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and was it inevitable because you didn't have the evidence? Uh, no, I had everything. So they just gave me back the cost of the case and... Um, uh, you know, lawyer fees and stuff, and then plus 500 dirhams. You you, um, you took this to the court or, or the economic department? Yeah, yeah. 
Both, both. Oh, so you went down both routes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very unusual um, for okay. not to be resolved. Because I was going to say, if you didn't get any joy uh, um, at the economic department, you can actually just open a, a case at the courts as well. Um, yeah. But I, I, yeah, it seems very unusual that you didn't get resolution. But anyway, look, you're in the situation that you're in. Um, and they are the correct paths for anyone listening that this does happen in, in the future. They are the correct paths to take. Um, and and mostly everyone I've ever spoken to over 20 plus years here um, has, has got resolution. So just so people um, have the comfort that these are the right uh, procedures to take. But in your case, um, you do have to sell it honestly um, because you won't be able to pass the car at the, the RTA to sell it. Um, and I would say that um, the value with it having 250,000 is going to be around 40,000 dirhams. It might be just uh, advisable to put it just under that, maybe at uh, 39,000. Um, but yeah, I I'm really sorry that this happened to you. It's, it's something that I never like to hear about. And one of the reasons that I don't like imported cars, because you can't, you don't have that protection with an imported car. So if a car's an American specs car with 100,000 miles on it, because they use miles there, they can wind it back to 20,000 miles um, yeah. uh, and sell it here. And you, you've, you've got no protection. So that's what I really, really um, like here when you're buying a, a car that originated from the dealer here. At least you've got checks and balances against the, uh, the, the kilometers. But um, yeah, I think the value is going to be uh, around 39,000, 40,000 for that car. I hope, hope that helps you, uh, Nazem. And, um, Thank you very much. Yeah, all the best with that uh, awkward situation. It's a tough one. Um, now, I've got a text message here uh, for you, Matthew. It's from Michael. Hi, guys. I have a 2018 model VW RTN R-Line. It's white with no accidents. It's only done 87,500 kilometres. Uh, full service history at Volkswagen. It's immaculate. Four new tyres. Brakes are six months. Uh, were done six months ago. Now, the warranty expires in November. So wondering if he should flip it and get something newer or what he could expect to get from a dealer or a private sale. Yeah, I mean, look, those cars have never really taken off here, which is, which yeah. is a real shame. I, I mean, they are a little slice of luxury actually um but look um I'll, I'll ask the question by saying well what 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 you know when you sell that what are you going to replace it with because the value of that car and the, and the the level of luxury that you're accustomed to you're not going to to get a return on that um that that's the problem you're not going to get a car with that money that will will give you that much luxury uh and it's still a relatively um new car you know it's only four years old with eighty-seven thousand. Uh, and, and immaculate, as you say, new tires, brakes. I'd probably, for me, I, I want to get some wear out of those new tires and brakes um, uh, and, and certainly use up and, and, until um, October and then sell it because you're still selling it with some warranty to give the buyer some comfort. Mm. I think I think the values are probably around 80, um, okay. 85 maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I would consider keeping that car because in this market right now, which is a very, very tough market, uh, from from a buying perspective, anyway, um, I just think maybe now's not the right time. This is one of the examples where I'd say keep that car because I don't yeah. think you'll get the value for that car, and then I don't think you'll get into anything that will uh, light you up. Yeah, fair enough, no problem at all. Well, look, that's just about all we've got time for this week, uh, Matthew. Um, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, what's what's your plans for the rest of the weekend? Well, you know it's F one weekend, so yeah. <laughs> listening to you and Bill 
is on the agenda. Um, and, and being the last one before the break, yeah, I've got to immerse myself in this one. Yeah, it's going to be going to be a good. Well, we've got one more. We've got Hungary next weekend, so we've got this one, and then we've got Hungary back back to back, and then we're away for a couple of weeks. So yeah, going to be looking forward to it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, enjoy, and uh, we'll speak in a couple of weeks. Brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, Matthew Davis, and head of pricing from Algo Driven. But don't go away too far. We've got a lot more coming up with uh, Motormania. Yes, this is Motormania, and uh, we've got a lot of information coming up, a lot of news coming up soon. With uh, We've got Kevin Shalhoub from the EV Lab joining us in a few moments' time, and we've also got uh, Phil Anson, F1 commentator, to give us a, uh, a half-season update about things. Now, we, we talked earlier on about uh, BMW announcing that it's going to offer for a subscription-based model to its cars soon. So instead of ordering options such as cooled seats, for example, or a, a chiller or various other options, uh, you can pay for it by the month, which means that when you buy, uh, which, which is on, on the surface is great when, you, when you, want it, you, you purchase what you need for the car, but it can also open up possibilities that when you buy a near new car and it perhaps has some hardwired buttons that aren't, uh, have not been subscribed to, well, you may not know if they work or not, or indeed, if uh, you're going to get a uh, you know a ten, twenty, or fifty dirham monthly bill for something you didn't know that was on the car that was a uh, subscription based. Do you think this is a good idea? Does it open up uh, a whole world of confusion, or do you think this is great? You get a, you get the basic car at a cheaper price, and then you only pay for what you use, which is uh, the model behind subscription based, and uh, and whether you think that is the future. Now, speaking of the present, however, uh, I've been uh, getting around lately in a, a car I thought would, would get into a car that, uh, given the fact that petrol prices are hiking up, um, that's a little more budget conscious. So I've, I've spent a few couple of days driving the new Honda HRV. Uh, it's a 1.5 litre four cylinder, has a CVT constant variable transmission, um, develops 119 brake horsepower, about 145 newton metres of torque. Now, Honda sells this as a hybrid car in other markets, but only brings the full petrol version here um, because they feel that it would be more expensive for this market. And then the gain that you get from the weight of the high, uh, of the uh, electric motor is offset by the uh, by the by uh, what you get in terms of electric stance. So what they've done is they've just kept the petrol one here. And I'll tell you what, it's amazing how quickly your priorities can change when it impacts the hip pocket and the recent surge in fuel prices. It's suddenly brought small cars like the Honda HRV to the front line when it comes to, to buying options. Um, upfront sticker prices for EVs, they make it an expensive proposition to start with, and we'll, we'll get into that a little later on with uh, with Kevin Shalhoub as well. So a fuel miser like the HRV, it's quietly stealing sales at the moment. Now it's claiming, Honda claims 18.4 litres, uh, sorry, 18.4 kilometres per litre um, to uh, for, for fuel consumption, and, uh, and that should get you more than 800 kilometres from its 47-litre tank, which is, um, if you look at the current prices... Uh, $4.52 thereabouts a litre uh, sorry 4 dirhams 52 a litre it should get you around about 212 dirhams to, to, to fill the tank of this HRV now this is the third generation it's uh, larger than its um, than its predecessor it has a longer wheelbase wider stance new grille LED headlights longer hood sleek coupe like lines that uh, has it sort of dropping way towards the rear so very nice now one of the features I think families would love this is Honda have carried over. It's a thing they've got called magic seats, and it's uh, it it's more mechanical than you may think. It comprises a highly adaptable back row. Now, what it means is that the engineers have found a way to move the fuel tank forward a little bit rather than have them under the seats, and it's opened up about an extra thirty millimeters of space 
in the front. Now, that means that you get a completely flat floor for when you want to load stuff into the back of the car. Um, so it's, you know, it, it, it drops, the seats drop into the footwell. Beautiful. Now, also, the base of the, uh, the seat can also flip upwards, so it creates a really tall load space at the back because you don't have a fuel tank back there, of course. So you can put a bicycle in there. You can put tall plants in there, large television screens, that sort of thing. Um, very, very innovative. It came out, I think, on the previous HRV, and it's been carried through to this one as well. Uh, as I said, 1.5 litre, four-cylinder. Now, here's the thing: if you if you like your motoring, or you or you're not interested, or you're not too concerned, it has the CVT. If anyone who's driven a car with what we call constant variable transmission know, it kind of winds on a little bit, and uh, it just has this constant rev. Now, that's the downside. The upside is you get phenomenal fuel economy from that as well. So it's got that. The interior, fresh, modern. Um, but what I do also like about it is that they've retained the physical buttons. It's not all touch screen, so you don't get finger marks on the on as, as many screens. The switches and dials for most of the major controls, which is helpful. Uh, it's an eight-inch color touch screen display, large icons, and includes Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So uh, it, it it has all the features there that it can it can read off your phone as well. Um, Natty little safety feature, camera in the windscreen that looks ahead. So when combined with software advances, it can identify, for instance, other vehicles, even if it's in the dark, and uh, it can then uh, go back to its suite of safety functions, such as automatic braking or lane uh, lane departure awareness, that sort of thing, and impact that as well. So that's the uh, the little Honda HRV that I've been getting around in. It's uh, Trading Enterprises have it at the moment for 89,900 dirhams and uh, definitely worth having a look at if you're looking at uh, that sort of thing in um, in uh, a, a budget-conscious area. So, yeah, that's where we're at, at the moment with that one. Now, in the news, uh, Hyundai has uh, been making quite a bit of news this week because we just had the, uh, the Korean Motor Show in Busan, and uh, they've come out with uh, an electric vehicle with uh, an interior that beams different colours depending on the speed of the car as the manufacturer is continuing a very ambitious EV push with an eye to challenge the likes of Tesla and General Motors. Now, this is the Ionic 6. We don't have, I don't think we have the Ionic 5 here yet, but the Ionic 6 is the next one up. And it can, uh, Hyundai tells us that it will get up to 610 kilometres from a single charge from its 77.4 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, now, you compare that with the previous model, 429 kilometres, uh, that's exactly what we were just talking about with Matthew Davison in the first hour in terms of over-the-air updates, what you can expect with uh, as technology improves, they just uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a wireless update to your car. So the previous version, 429 kilometres, this new version, 610 kilometre range out of that one. That should ease any anxiety, that's for sure. Uh, Hyundai has um, showed this car at, as, at the Busan International Motor Show in South Korea, this week they're going to start production for this in around about september october and it's uh also not surprisingly it's korean company lg energy that is supplying the batteries for this one um and it'll be on sale in september in uh korea at around about forty-two thousand us dollars so uh yeah about one hundred and sixty thousand dirhams i guess with sales beginning early in the us early next year and uh then wider distribution so i'd like to see them in the market here where we must get some guys from Hyundai in to have a chat about the Ionic range uh, because they are really good looking cars. If you haven't seen them yet, get online, have a look, Ionic, I-O-N-I-Q, um, 
and uh, and you'll see their design uh, language right now from Hyundai, absolutely belting it out of the park. Really, really good stuff um, with the with the Ionic Five, the Ionic Six. Couple of really good concepts coming out there as well. Uh, so yeah, that's um, that's coming out from down in Korea. And uh, what else has been happening? Well, we've got uh, some breaking news. Very rarely we get to do breaking news on uh, <laughs> on Motormania, but uh, breaking news, and it happened just overnight. And this is uh, Volkswagen Group boss Rupert Dias has stepped down. Dias uh, departs the VW Group top spot after seven years. Uh, replaced by Porsche CEO Oliver Bloom. And uh, the Volkswagen Group has made the surprise announcement overnight that its, its chairman is resigning to be replaced on the 1st of September by Oliver Bloom, who is the former Porsche CEO. Um, leaving by mutual agreement, according to the company, and uh, no specific reason was given for his departure. Now, uh, Hans Poch, the chairman of the supervisory board, praised Diaz for his role in advancing the transformation of the company. The outgoing chairman not only steered the company through extremely turbulent waters, but also implemented a fundamentally new strategy. Uh, that is, um, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise to a lot of us in the industry because uh, only as recently as uh, a few days ago, uh, Herbert Diaz was uh, was talking about the future of Volkswagen and uh, he's now stepping aside. However, um, Oliver Bloom has a solid track record with, uh, with, with Porsche. He's been... Uh, been running that company for a while now, introduced the Taycan and uh, their electrification strategy as well. So yeah, we're going to keep an eye on that one as well. This is Motormania. And uh, we've just been talking electric vehicles just uh, just recently and uh, as I was saying with Hyundai unveiling its uh, new Ioniq 6 at the Busan International Motor Show uh, last week or during the week and some really inf- interesting stuff coming out of that. Now, uh, I'm joined in the studio by uh, uh, Kevin Shaloub in the EV Lab, and uh, Kevin is the man to talk all things electric vehicles. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Damien. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Thanks for thanks for joining us in the studio. Um, yeah, I mean you're you're at the you're at the cutting edge of a very very exciting part of the industry right now, electric vehicles. Um, how do you very quickly? How do you see the 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 Middle East, or this region in particular, the take-up of EVs? Actually, the, the market's been growing quite uh, uh, quite consistently. Even during COVID uh, in 2020, uh, we, we doubled the new car sales for electric cars. We're up to 5% of new car sales to be electric. Um, I think an, an exciting market to look at um, uh, also is, is Norway, which is a net exporter of oil and, and managed to sell... Seventy-seven percent of electric cars, uh, mm. um, and 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 you know what they've proven is that even here, uh, as a net exporter of oil, we can achieve these targets, uh, uh, and and I'm I'm sure Dubai is 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 going to take the lead in in this. Yeah, I spent some time in in Norway and Oslo. I was astounded by how they've managed to make EVs work there. Uh, so many electric vehicles there, huge incentives, obviously, to, to get people into them with free parking and free tolls and that sort of thing. Is, is, how are we going in that regard in terms of incentivizing people to get into electric vehicles? Absolutely. I mean, uh, the cost to charge today is, is much less uh, uh, than, than the cost to refuel your gas. Um, uh, just, uh, just before the hike in, 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 in prices, it was already one third uh, per kilometer driven uh, uh, of the price, and now it must be a <laughs> one ninth or, or something along those lines. But it's it's hard to keep up with the gas prices at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we know there's uh, there's 
a lot of electric vehicles coming into the market. It's still a very much an emerging market. Europe, a lot more uh, EVs available in, in Europe compared to here at the moment, but they're, they're coming. They're on the way. Now, when you, when you speak to someone who says, says, oh, I'm thinking of getting an electric vehicle, standard thing they think of and talk about is Tesla. But, right. of course, there are other options out there, of course, aren't there? Um, Tell us about what current makes and models are on the market because we we did actually have a we had a, uh, a caller in the first half of the show when we're talking about fix it or flip it, asking, look, I'm looking at perhaps getting an, an EV. Uh, what, what's out there? And I said, look, stick around. Kevin's on the way in. <laughs> what are the options out there? Well, there are so many options now. Um, um, and I guess this is this is uh, uh, what got us going as well at EV Lab. Um, the the uh, Tesla definitely has a, a consistent good uh, uh, a variety of options with the Model Y, Model Three, uh, as newest models in the region. Um, uh, Porsche today has one of the fastest accelerating car. Mercedes has has one of the longest range in the market with the EQS. Um, you'd have uh, a, a lot of different options. You mentioned Hyundai coming out with the Ioniq Six. Kia's coming out with the e Nero. Uh, we have Peugeot with the 208, 2008, and a more affordable budget. Renault and Chevrolet have been uh, ahead of the game as well with with uh, 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 affordable uh, uh, cars uh, uh, available with the Zoe and, and the Bolt. Uh, uh, MG has their own electric car. Uh, uh, there, there are so many to name, really. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I I just drove the uh, the MG Marvel, the Marvel R, last week. That's and amazing. <laughs> really, really, really impressed with the car. I didn't get to drive that one yet. So. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not on the market yet. It's uh, they're, they're just doing some hot weather testing, and I managed to steal the keys for, for a little bit to get into it. Now, um, of course, there's no, there's no specific details about the car as to uh, pricing or anything else yet, but based on the fact that the, the MG, Z, is it the Z EV? ZS. The ZS. Yeah. So that's a... That's just on 100,000 dirhams. So I'm guessing that this would be around about 140 because it's a, it's a more of a premium model. Mm-hmm. For 140,000 dirhams, really, really good. You know, very stylish car, very modern in terms of its look. Um, it's uh, had had a longer range than the, the other one. It's a larger battery, I think. I didn't Again, we didn't have the final spec. It was just to, to, to get into the look and feel of the car. But, you know, it shows that there are options t- that, that are – for the budget conscious people and also for you know we're now seeing for instance general motors with with hummer coming in you know heavy duty off-roaders into electric vehicles i mean how did from your from your side of the fence like how does this opens up so many opportunities doesn't it absolutely i mean it's it's really exciting to see what what gems come with with the the hummer ev um, uh, it's it's going to be a perfect car for this market. I mean, people love to 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 uh, go off roading. I think the the most sold car at some point here was the Nissan Patrol. So so the the Hummer might be a a, a more pricey but but a, a nice alternative for for off roading experiences. Uh, the MG is is a really exciting uh, uh, product offering, and 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 also it's 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 cheaper than you'd ever ever find a Tesla. So. So it's 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 a, a very exciting uh, uh, offer uh, in terms of range. Since you you mentioned the the biggest uh, the longest range available in the market with with I think up to seven hundred eighty five kilometers mm. is is the the Mercedes EQS. Yeah. So so yeah. if you're really worried about range, but th- but that's a, another thing I'd say is is interesting about this market is 
is that range is less of an issue. Um, when you buy a car in Europe, in the US, you expect you can go, I don't know, from Paris to Brussels, from Paris to going to ski with your car occasionally. Here, you know, the longest distance you do is, is Abu Dhabi, and that's 150 kilometers from, from Dubai. Uh, uh, maybe you'd, you'd go occasionally to Oman, but most cars in the market can already do that range. Um, and, and that's why I think some of the international mic markets might, might go through a, a, a part where they go for hybrids, while we might go straight to electric because distances are less of an issue. Charging infrastructure is already out there. You mentioned government incentives as well. Um, uh, there is free parking and there is a couple of, of good government incentives. They, they managed to keep uh, charging uh, 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 cheap, but while it used to be a little bit, uh, it used to be free, but, but, but now it's, it's still much cheaper than, than gas. And then, then the total cost of ownership of, of electric cars are, are much uh, uh, less uh, henceforth. Well, that, that's the thing too. And we were talking about this before as well, about over-the-air updates that you get with electric vehicles now. So uh, aside from the actual just the the saving of money in terms of at the at the Bowser, if you say, what, what are some of the other benefits to owning an electric vehicle in terms of lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, for me, they're better cars. Um, for some uh, uh, people, prefer the 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 noise of a motor, the noise of. Uh, I like the silence. Uh, uh, I know. I know. I, I have some family that that like to get driven around and work in the car, so it's it's also more convenient for for those uh, uh, purposes. Um, I I think uh, uh, the the other thing is the acceleration. I mean, you can you can you can use a hundred percent of the power from from the beginning uh, of an uh, you know, and, and and that makes for a unique experience uh, uh, that that you can't find in combustion engines. Even in uh, 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 some of the best uh, combustion engines out there, uh, you have a little bit of this lag. You have this this noisy moment. The, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. Even if they're not, um, I mean, even like the the MG, we're talking what's about five and a half seconds, or hundred kilometers, which which is good for what it is. But it feels a lot faster than that, even because you because of the instant talk, you don't have that lag. When you want to overtake, it's like you're already in a low gear. Bang, away you go. And I think that's the thing that probably surprises a lot of people is that it's not so much uh, the fact that it's just fast when they're, they're all they're all fast now it's the instant talk that allows you to instantly overtake someone without even having to sort of let the thing wind up or it knocks back a gear or two and and uh, gets in there is is that probably maybe an education thing now for people who are driving electric vehicles for the first time yeah maybe i mean, sort of I say, mean hey, it depends what you're looking for in a car not everyone is looking for for acceleration I would say that's that's part of what makes it exciting too is is that you have that instant torque, but most most electric cars are safer than gas cars. Uh, uh, so if you're looking for safety reliability, that's that's also a factor, and and that's what's so exciting about this this field and this market um, is, is really that we've managed to see that that the cars produced, in my opinion at least, are are better cars and they're better for the environment. And and so right now with the hike in in gas prices. Um, I think it's it's a no-brainer. Uh, uh, also, the used car market right now is is really good. So, so if you're looking to sell your car to to go electric, it makes perfect sense for more than just uh, financial reasons, mm. but but also financial reasons. And 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 the other thing is the after sales with with electric cars. You have much less after sales. So, so it, it may be sometimes a bit more expensive uh, uh, the the to buy, um, but then. You, 
you're you're really saving over the total lifespan. Yeah, um, I've got to ask you too. It's it's our talking point this morning. What's what's your opinion or what's your thoughts on uh, the idea of subscription based options and accessories, such as BMW has announced this week and other manufacturers I believe are going to go through, where you pay x x dirhams a month to have various items on your car, and if you don't want them, you don't pay for them. Yeah, absolutely. BMW is one we haven't mentioned, by the way. I iX, i4, they, they have a couple of good models coming out. Uh, uh, they, they, they managed to launch them in, in Europe first. Um, the subscription model is, is really exciting because I think it's going to revolutionize car ownership. I think there's a stat that says you don't use your car more than 4% of the time, and I think the, the average is actually 1%. So, so why own a car um, if, if, if you don't need it all the time? Um, uh, why not just pay for the moments you're you're um, yeah. you're, you're you're using it, and that's actually why we launched our leasing program as well, is is to facilitate uh, 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 people to to instead of owning a car, because battery technology is constantly evolving. If you buy a car today, an electric car, um, you're you're gonna have about uh, a 600, 700 kilometers at most in range. Um, we've already seen products in China that announced a thousand kilometers. Mercedes mm. EQXX also announced a thousand kilometers. So in two, three years' time, you know you might not be satisfied with the battery range available in your car, and you might want to change. So, so leasing subscription models those make for perfect models, so so that you can constantly have the the best technology available to you. Brilliant. Well, look. Kevin Schlub, thank you so much for joining us. Founder of, of EV Lab, uh, it's the to- it's the buzzword. Everyone's talking about electric vehicles, and definitely not going away. We're going to have you in the studio quite a few more times, I think, over the uh, over the course of Motormania. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, Damien. Thank you so much, and I'd love to come back. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, Motormania with you through until midday, and uh, now, well, it's time for something a little bit different. No DRS as yet, no DRS as yet, but this is allowing Carlos Sainz to get away. We're on 43 of 52, nine to go here at Silverstone, all to play for, and Perez has got to make a move. He's got to do it on this lap. He's got to get him on this lap because uh, have a look behind him. Carlos Sainz has vindicated. He's checked out. He's 1.2 seconds now faster than his teammates at Charles Leclerc. Have a look at this replay. Sergio Perez going deep. Goes the up and under, yep. pulls it up inside nicely. He's got that car dancing on a wire. Fantastic oh, drive. Sergio Perez, super aggressive. And there was no answer there. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. up at the front, the teammates coming together. They almost came oh. together this time. They wanted to bring the cars home first and second. All bets are off. Carlos Sainz got the fastest car and uh, quite rightly ignoring, ignoring a pretty stupid order to when you've got the fresh rubber to hang back. Yes, having a look at where they all are now. Here's the battle. Here's Sergio the battle. And Lewis Hamilton fights back. Lewis is on the inside, very fast part of the corner. Sergio Perez hanging out. Can he hold this one off now? Charles Leclerc is now coming into the equation. Is he going to be the cork in the bottle for these two? Well, it's because Perez couldn't get past him. It allowed Lewis to get back up. Remember, Lewis has been setting fastest lap after fastest lap. Charles, Charles Sainz does he's it. Off. He's checking out. He's 1.9 seconds. He's out. Of the, nobody's who's in DR race. Here's the... Uh, the the bait that was the fastest through sector one yeah and uh, he's got uh, the toe from uh, Perez Perez needs to get up on terms with the Ferrari he's a half a second behind no DRS still no DRS yes, no DRS, DRS at this stage in this lap and this is allowing 
Yes, that is that is uh, one half of the voice of uh, of Formula One. I apologise for my part, but, <laughs> but that is uh, the voice of none other of than Mr. Phil Anson. And Phil, joining us in the studio this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Damien. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Oh, uh, yes, pleasure. we are now at uh, we're now at the halfway mark yes. of the season. It is uh, round twelve of the Formula One Championship this, that that's continues today. It's a welcome return to Le Castellet in, in France. That's about ten kilometres from the uh, French Riviera. But my goodness, it is uh, it is uh, warm there yes. this weekend. Uh, but what a first half of the season this has been! It's been amazing, Damien, because we started with this new car, this brand new car that we bought in in twenty twenty two. It's heavier. It's clumsier. It's it's not what a Formula car, One car looked like previously in the two thousand and from two thousand and fourteen to twenty twenty one, and everybody is struggling to get on terms with it. Nobody's actually sorted the package out yet. We've got some teams who've decided we're just not going to upgrade it until we get on top of the baseline. Other teams are going. We're just going to throw everything at it and just run out of money before the end of the season. And, and so we've got these two two different. Um, ideas of how to move forward in Formula One because in Formula One if you stand still you're going backwards and we're seeing that now with the with the with the way these cars and the issues that they're having the bouncing you know all of these things that nobody predicted even though we've had ground effect cars before in the 80s and they bounced (laughs) um, (laughs) nobody thought that it actually happened again with all of the technology we have but hey you can't replicate bouncing in a wind tunnel so yeah it's it's been an amazing season season it the ebb and flow between the fastest and the slowest having people who'd won the championship eight times in their previous incarnation all of a sudden on the back foot in this time with yep. mercedes not being able to get anywhere with a car that looks so different to everybody else it was either going to win everything or they were going to battle and unfortunately they're battle they're battling with, with that car. Is- this is precisely what we wanted and what the rules yes. delivered, isn't it? In yes. the fact is brand new cars, but also coming to play into that is the testing time that favours the underdog. Yes. The, the the wind tunnel time that tests, that, that favours on a percentage sliding scale, yes. favours the, the guys down the back. So as a result, the eight-time world champions Mercedes haven't had the same amount of development time as the guys from Haas. And guess what? <laughs> it's coming together, isn't it? it I is mean, the Haas's performance this season so far, phenomenal. It, it, indeed. So um, the way that that works is that Haas finished 10th, you know, where they finished in the championship. There is a benchmark of 100% wind tunnel time. The winner of the championship only gets 70%. The tenth place gets one hundred and thirty percent. Okay, so there's a, there's a, there's a, you know there's a sixty percent difference in amount of time that they get, mm. which is huge, absolutely huge in wind tunnel parlance. And Haas now running, um, you know, they're 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 sort of in the centre of the mid pack behind um, McLaren and Alpine. Uh, the front end of the field is covered by Red Bull, uh, Ferrari, and Mercedes. But that mid pack battle is absolutely dynamite. And given that Haas. Um, just forgot to bring any upgrades for the entire well, season. Well, this is the thing. Because they've, yeah. got, they've got their their attitude is we need to get on top of this package. We've got to unlock all the potential from the package that we have before we bring upgrades to it, okay? Whereas the other teams still haven't unlocked their potential from their baseline, but they're throwing things at it week after week. Yeah. 
Haas are saving a lot of money by doing that. By the end of the season, they're going to have a big piggy bank left. Absolutely. And this is the thing. You look at the Drivers' Championship right now, and you look at the, the Haas drivers. Yeah. You know, uh, Kevin Magnussen is sitting in front of a McLaren and sitting in front of an Alfa Tori and an Aston Martin, that being Daniel Ricciardo, Pierre Gasly, and Sebastian Vettel. Then Mick Schumacher, the, the, the rookie, yes. in, a, in, a, in the, the poorest performing car last year, is also in front of an Alfa Tori of Yuki Tsunoda, another yep. rookie, fair enough. But still, there's a there's a budget difference there between them. And I think that's actually shown that the the rules are absolutely working for this yes, season. Indeed. Um, the you know the, the Formula One Commission and John, and, and um, Ross Braun are very intelligent people and they sort of work this out. And I give Ross Braun a lot of credit for sort of being that he's run a Formula One team and won a world championship and the first time that he tried to do it. He's a very smart man. And and so he's sort of trying to level the playing field out. Obviously, we have budget caps. And that's the big thing that everybody's barking up and down with at the moment is that they're going to run out of money. Yes, the FIA have gone in and said, look, we'll give you 3% to co- more to cover inflation. But it's, we still come down by $5 million next year. Hmm. So the yeah. budget cap is where everybody is. Whereas before, what we used to see pre-budget cap was massive grade upgrades four times a season. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, this you can't do that this time. And like yesterday, people running split strategies, one car upgrade, one car no upgrade, to make sure that they were making forward progress. Because last time, if it didn't work, like in the previous incarnation, they just throw it in the bin and go again. They can't do that. They don't have the money to do that this year. And they don't have the parts either. Exactly. You know, so uh, uh, big upgrades this weekend for Alpha Tori. Yep. And uh, Pierre Gasly, it's his home Grand Prix, of course, and Yuki Tsunoda. But, uh, but they made it very, very clear that the upgrades on the two cars is it and if you if you break the car this weekend you're going to get the old stuff that's sitting in the back of the truck that that they've been struggling (laughs) with in the old days that wasn't that wasn't the case because it's unlimited budgets yeah uh so interesting one i'd like to ask you too your your thoughts too with again part of the changes for this year we had a big change in terms of the structure of how the races are run yep what we call upstairs race control um the race director set up now. Now we have Niles Vidic and Eduardo Freitas, who come from respectively World Endurance Championship, which is Le Mans for those people, uh, and also what we see in the Abu Dhabi 12-hour and the Dubai 24-hour to an extent. And Eduardo Freitas from the World Endurance Championship, uh, from uh, World Rally Championship. Um, then on top of that, we've got Herbie Blash, who's who's been brought back. Um, he's from the Bernie Eccleston era. Yep. To, to Charlie White these era. guys. Yep. And on top of that, there's a mystery third umpire, in effect, in that's a, sort of overseeing. Now, these four people have have stepped in uh, effectively to replace the the lone race director we've held until now. How do you see that as being played out so far this season? Um, this year is a settling year. Mm. Okay, this year is a let's work out, let's do it, let's throw these two very experienced gentlemen at it with completely different ideas how races are run. Okay, as every race director I've ever raced for has. Um, and then let's look at it in the off-season and see what we can improve. Ask the teams. The teams are very vocal about it. They just want consistency. That's what they want, even though they want to push the limits of consistency. Okay, they want cake, eat it too, and then have more cake. Um, that's how teams are. But I think from the stand's point, we are in an evolution year in, in regards to the way that Formula One Uh, is managed while they are racing. And I think it's a really important thing to get the stewardship right, to get the race direction right, 
so that we have good racing on track for the fans to watch. We don't want races to be decided in courtrooms. Okay, mm-hmm. that's not what we want. We want people to do the right thing and 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 you know what we got at Yas last year. Okay, everybody wanted the knockout punch. Everybody wanted the slam dunk. At best, we got a TKO. At worst, we got a known goal. Mm. It was that sort of feeling. Yeah, okay, yeah. It, it just didn't, you know, oh, come on, you know, it should have been slam dunk. Max Verstappen did nothing wrong. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, he, he didn't get do anything wrong. Well, let's, They let's... actually had a better strategy yeah. than Mercedes at the time, and we were calling it. We, we saw their strategy, and they put Mercedes in a position where they couldn't box. Well, let's, let's, let's clear that one up straight <laughs> away, <laughs> once and for all, that there is not a rule in the FIA exactly. 2021 sporting regulations or financial regulations or technical re- regulations that Max Verstappen or, or Red Bull Racing broke. Exactly. Um, if someone would find it, appoint me to the number, because it doesn't exist. It was in the spirit of the regulations, yes. and there are other things surrounding factors. However, a lot of misinformation oh. from from, uh, from from international press, English <laughs> language press, for instance, yes. suggesting that they broke rule. They did they, not they break a rule. No, there was no rule broken at all. It was an interpretation of the regulations by the race director, mm. and that, that, that was it. And given that they made a change to that, that absolutely absolved him of that because there was an issue with it that they you know they yeah. they they didn't get even though that he got the thank you very much for your service but you're no longer required and he has since um, Massey has since left the FIA but to bring two people in I think they're trying something different because of the experience level that is need needed yeah. in Formula 1 yeah and Phil we're at the halfway point of the season right now uh, just over a week before the teams take a well-earned summer break but slowly but steadily Things seem to be cha- ramping up in this in this battle. Charles Leclerc has cut down Max Verstappen's title lead by eleven points in the last two races alone, and Ferrari is on a two race winning streak uh, with with a, with a driver apiece that ended Red Bull's six race run of victories. So you know that that previous race in Austria was a statement of sorts for the Italian squad um, as it dominated that weekend. Unfortunately upset by the uh, the big fire with Carlos Sainz towards the end. Yeah, that big fire of Carlos Sainz towards the end, which we believe was a turbocharger fire. Now, these turbos are cooled by oil under high pressure, and when they fracture or crack, the oil sprays everywhere, and we saw a couple of little explosions in there. Okay, one was a turbo, second may have been a piston. Not sure, but we think so. But um, uh, uh, Mattia Bonotto, the uh, team principal for Ferrari, said it was the same issue that Charles Leclerc had in Baku. Mm. So, and that was a turbo issue. So he's going to take, um, at the moment, he, the Ferraris yesterday were 1-2 on top of the timesheets for both three practice sessions. Sainz topped it in FP2. But he's going to take a 10-place grid slot because he's taking a new energy store, which is above his thing. But um, I believe, and I believe you believe, that um, he will be starting either from the back of the grid or the pit lane because they will bolt at, uh, completely new stuff on for him. He's allowed to have these power unit components. He's allowed to have up to three of, of the major ones and he will exceed that, which means 10 for the first one, five for the second one, et cetera, et cetera. Basically pit lane or yeah. back of the grid start. Same as what Charles Leclerc did yeah. when he had to take his. The difference we have here is that Mercedes at the moment are running very clean. They've used the least amounts of parts of everybody. Mm. Now, this could play very well to them at the end of the season, okay, because of what the, what's happening. But, yeah, Ferrari at the moment... I mean, <sighs> yeah, where, I was, was going to bring that up. Where do you see Ferrari, Ferrari at the moment? Because 
the performance of the car is there. The performance of the drivers is there. They've held seven of the of eleven pole positions yep. so far this season, with always Charles Leclerc, with the exception of Carlos Sainz uh, last time out in uh, in Silverstone. Yep. Um, but then, and the car's got power pace, but st- strategic issues. Yeah. It's, well, t- two things: strategy. Team Mm. strategy, they fall over themselves frequently, Mm. okay? They can't divide the pizza up on the wall, okay? (laughs) Basically, that's it. it. Everybody wants the same piece of pizza, and they make mistakes strategically. The other thing is this reliability issue with the Ferrari engine will cost them. Now, if Carlos uh, uh, takes all of those parts today, every time he takes a new part, he's going to get five places. The same with Charles Leclerc. They're on the back foot towards, and we're only halfway through the season, so every Every time they take a new part from here on in, they will be, have a minimum of five places grid penalty. Yeah. Now, Red Bull aren't in that situation. Well, Max Verstappen's not in that situation. Checo Perez is slightly worse. And Mercedes aren't in that situation yet. So those two things, strategy and reliability, towards the end of the season, it's going to be the reliability factor that really hurts Ferrari because every time they need a new part, they are going to have to take grid penalties, whereas mm. Red Bull and Mercedes are not at that stage Yet, yeah, yeah. Where, where do you see? Now we're trundling into the second half of the season. We know that Mercedes have traditionally come home in the second half of every season. There, they they're kind of like uh, you know, they they sort of shadow they shadow box for the yes. first half of the season, and then they really come home strongly. Where do you see the second half of this season running with Mercedes upward spiral, Ferrari, Red Bull? Okay, Mercedes. They have reliability on their side. They're the only team this season that has scored points in every round. Mm. Okay, uh, but, but Ferrari have scored ten out of eleven. Red Bull ten out of eleven. Um, McLaren eight out of eleven. Alpine ten out of eleven. Okay, so you've got a team that's got a very reliable package. It's just not fast. Well, let's sort of say it's not fast. It's not well balanced. Okay, once they get that balance sorted out, they'll get there. The problem they have is with this new incarnation of cars, everybody's moving forward at about the same speed. Okay, so as the, as the guys were very disappointed in the media pen last night, they mm. didn't think they had made the advantages. They actually had made advantages. It's just that Red Bull and Ferrari have made the same amount of advantage. Yeah. Okay, so they have gone quicker. They saw the data. It looked really good. And then they went, we're still eight tenths behind them. How do we get that out? In race pace, there are still eight tenths behind them. Mm. So when we crunched the numbers last night and looked at it, it was just like, yes, they are faster. We're seeing uh, you know, incremental gains on corner exit speed and er- everything else, but everybody else is moving forward at the same pace. So I don't think you're going to get that second half thing from the just pure performance. What you're going to get the second half thing from and the, the boost from is their reliability of not being going through as many parts and not taking as many grid penalties towards the latter half of the season, which everybody will do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely they will. Um, and that's the thing. So you know, and, and I, I believe, I strongly believe that we are still heading for a potential... Hamilton Verstappen showdown by the time we get to Abu Dhabi. I would, I, I'm not going to counter you. Normally we counter argument <laughs> on these things, but I can see how many points we have left, over 250 points left in the championship mm. as we go into round 12 this weekend. Um, and, uh, and it's not just those two, by the way. I'm, 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 throw, I'm keeping Ferrari in the mix. Oh, I'm yes. Carlos and Charles for sure, but what I'm saying is, is that Mercedes are going to climb back and people are saying, look, it's all over. Because no. remember at the start of the season, 
at the, by the third round, Max Verstappen said, "Look, my title's done. Yes, I've I've, I've, I've not finished the, the the first couple of races." And Charles Leclerc's romping away with it. Yeah. that was at the third round of the season. <laughs> yeah, that was in Australia. Things turned very quickly <laughs> in uh, Formula One. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and you know, if you've got to remember that um, Red Bull Racing didn't finish the first race in Bahrain. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And then in Azerbaijan, none of the Ferraris finished. Okay. And this is the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's it's it's going to go down that path um, where we're going to, you know, we had I think we had six we had six fighting for the championship in twenty was it twenty ten? Yep, in in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, uh, not six this time, but certainly uh, we're going to have Ferrari, we're going to have Mercedes. I think I uh, reckon it's going to be. A four. I think we're going to have four. Yeah, and in terms of so that's the top end, the midfield. <sighs> midfield. It's, it's as hard as to predict as ever. We got we got uh, we got Alpha Tori, we got McLaren. Yep, Alpine. Alpine, absolutely. Haas. Yep, uh, throw Haas into it. Yep. yep. They're all there. They're, they're all there. When I did their things, the, the, the spread from midfield spread from 6th to 18th is one second in free practice too. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so there's just one second between 6th and 18th. Unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, now, what's your predictions for, for this weekend? As we, we're going into the French Grand Prix this afternoon. We'll be... Uh, we'll be We'll be on air at. Uh, we will be at three p.m. for qual uh, yep. for free practice and six p.m. for qualifying. Five p.m. for race tomorrow. Yep. What's what's your predictions this weekend? Uh, my predictions this weekend: Max Verstappen for the win, Lewis Hamilton in second, and George Russell third. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, thank you very much, uh, Phil Anson. And of course, you can join us on uh, Saudi Sports Company, SSC2, this afternoon. In between, of course, catching up with Extra Time at the weekend with uh, Chris, Tom and Robbie. And uh, they'll be uh, they'll be on air from 4pm this afternoon. That's all we've got time for for Motormania this week. Thank you so much, Phil Anson, for, uh, for, for joining us once again. And uh, we'll be back next week for more Motormania.